Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Genesis 16, and before we go there, let's just open with prayer. Lord, thank you so much. I am grateful, and I just pray, Father, that you would, that you would help me understand more and more about you. I thank you for the examples of your Bible throughout history and throughout time, what you share with me and help me understand. I just pray today as we read, Holy Spirit, you'd open our minds, open our hearts and our spirits. Truly help us commune with you on the right level, the spiritual level. Because we are spiritual beings with human bodies, and God, you are spirit. So I just pray for our spirits to grow, to grow closer to you, and to be more like you. Father, I pray that today our hearts, our minds, and our spirits would be prepared to receive your word. And Holy Spirit, I pray that it would be your message that is heard, that is your message that we understand, and nothing from me would be part of this. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So chapter 16 is pretty short. It's pretty impactful, but it's it's short. And there's a couple of different readings and commentaries that I wanted to share with you today. And so there will be one, I'll go through one right at the beginning here before we even read. It sets the tone pretty well, I think. And then we'll read one afterwards from um, A.W. Tozer and his perspective on one of the uh, one of the verses. So this one that's called the preaching the word commentary. It just basically is going into and preparing us for 416. So it gives us some insight. It says we would reasonably think that the two preceding faith events in Abraham's or Abram's life through which he was promised both a land and a people would have steeled him against the slightest distrust in God. Remember that Abram's experience had been crowned by God's unilateral, unconditional ratification of his promise when he appeared to Abram in a flaming theophany and passed between the sundered pieces of animals, indicating that if he did not keep his word, he would become as those animals. Remember when Abram got the goat, got the the heifer and the birds and whatnot and cut them in half, and then the flame of God passed between them. And God was giving his, his solemn oath that he would fulfill the promise. So it continues. Imagine the elevation that then coursed through Abram's soul. His faith naturally soared off the chart. Surely this would render him impervious to distrust, or so we think. Now, we would never, now he would never fail to trust God, we think. Perpetual obedience would character, characterize Abram, we think. Well, how wrong we are. Genesis 16 story of Abram and two women, Sarai and Hagar, showcases falling faith and distrust and shocking expediencies. The result was the first marital triangle in biblical history. Here we have the multiplication of rejection, anger, hurt, jealousy, and vicious cruelty. Life complicated itself exponentially, and there was no resolution. The following is a warning to all children of faith. No perfect feet walk the path of faith, says Barnhouse. As Paul would warn, let anyone who thinks that he stands 
Take heed lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10.12 Are you a person of faith? Then you better pay attention. So let's go ahead and get into chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her her husband, gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong beyond upon be my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And then, when, and when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, behold, you are with child and you shall bear a son. Your you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. He shall be a wild man. He, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are the God who sees. For she said, Have I also here seen him who sees me? Therefore the well was called Bir Lohai Roy, Observe, it is between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore, Ishmael. Abram was sixty was eighty-six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. So, a lot of chaos there, right? But the key is that they didn't just do what God wanted them to do. Again, we see great leaders of the faith, these stalwarts who see God, talk to God, hang out with God. God performs miracles for them. They aren't continuously forever faithful. They have their peaks and their valleys. They're just people. They're used by God in mighty ways, but at the end of the day, they're still just people. So with that, let's go and look at what A.W. Tozer has to say. He focuses on Genesis, Genesis 16, 13, where it says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And he writes, When we lift our inward eyes to gaze upon God, we are sure to meet friendly eyes gazing back at us. For it is written that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth 
The sweet language of experience is, you are the God who sees me. When the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, heaven has begun right there, right here on this earth. Now, if faith is the gaze of the heart at God, if now, if faith is the gaze of the heart of, at God, and it is this, and if this gaze is but the raising of the inward eyes to meet the all-seeing eyes of God, then it follows that it is one of the easiest things possible to do. It would be like God to make the most vital and most vital thing easy and place it within the range of possibility for the weakest and poorest of us. Several conclusions may fairly be drawn from all of this. The simplicity of it, for instance, since believing is looking, it can be done without special equipment or religious paraphernalia. God has seen to it that the one life and death essential can never be subject to the cap caprice of accident. Equipment can break down or get lost. Water can leak away. Records can be destroyed by fire. The minister can be delayed. Or the church can burn down. All these are external to the soul and are sub subject to accident or mechanical failure. But looking is one of the heart and can be done successfully by any man standing up or kneeling down or lying in his last agony a thousand miles from any church. Since believing is looking, it can be done at any time. No season is superior to, superior to another season. For this sweetest of all acts, God never made salvation depend upon new moons or holy days or Sabbaths. A man is not nearer to Christ on Easter Sunday than he is, say, on Saturday, August 3rd, or Monday, October 4th. As long as Christ sits on the mediatorial throne, every day is a good day, and all days are days of salvation. Neither does place matter to this blessed work of believing. Lift up your heart and let it rest upon Jesus, and you are instantly in a sanctuary, though it be a Pullman berth, i.e. a train car, or a factory, or a kitchen. You can see God from anywhere if your mind is set to love and obey him. It's an amazing opportunity for all of us, and God does make meeting him extremely simple. We have to look. We have to look earnestly to see God. But if we look and we're looking for him, we will see him, and our faith will be given, will be built on that. So with that, I'm going to close this with prayer. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all you've done. Thank you for your word. I pray you'd be the one that speaks to us, that we would hear your words. And I just pray that today we would put your words into actions, <clears throat> that we would be doers of your word, not hearers only. <clears throat> so Father, I lift up this time. I lift up this day to you and dedicate it to you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you have a wonderful day, and thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and his journey back to God.